I'm so glad to see so many people here on a holiday weekend. How many of you guys, be, be honest, are excited? Maybe you came partially because you heard there might be some sort of a big announcement coming this morning and you're really curious. How many of you are like, man, I hope he's saying like he got fired or something like that. Don't raise your hand on that one. That'd be wrong. No. You know, in Ecclesiastes, it talks about how there is a season for everything, right? The seasons come, seasons go. And, and, and it's not always a bad thing, right? I mean, there's, there's a natural thing where I'd say most of us were really excited when summer finally came, right? We might be a little annoyed how hot it is now, or we always want winter to be over, right? We really just want winter for like Christmas week, right? Can I get an amen? Um, but seasons, right? They come and they go. And uh, this morning, I want to share news with you that is both uh, maybe a teeny bit bitter, but like I promise you, it is way more sweet overall. So like I said, since transitions come and go, uh, we've been blessed the last few years of having zero transition uh, in our leadership team, which has been amazing because uh, August makes six years for me uh, since I moved here. And I would say in a lot of ways, uh, it has been a, a six-year period marked by constant transition. Not always bad, but transitions are always interesting to navigate. And so anyways, the long story short is uh, not that long ago, uh, I was having lunch with uh, the esteemed Dr. Justin Roberts, our amazing uh, worship leader. And I know this is probably going to sound surprising for someone who has five children. Uh, they have goats in a farm. They live about 20 minutes from here. He owns his own dental practice, and they do foster care. Uh, that he was saying, I think maybe it's just too much for me right now. I know that it's kind of shocking, right? It doesn't sound like he, sounds like he has a lot of free time. But no, Justin, when he agreed to uh, be our worship leader a few years back, uh, we always knew that this wouldn't be a forever thing. And we knew that this was the timing was right, the season was right. Uh, but we've always been very clear, the idea that uh, we don't want people to become burnt out. We don't want people to sacrifice things like their family for uh, ministry even. And so I was so glad Justin and I had a great conversation just about, hey, I think we need to re- be thinking about um, an eventual change. And uh, let me just throw it out there right now. Nothing's happened. He's not mad at anybody. He's, I mean, he probably gets annoyed that I still ask him to put me on the worship team. But other than that, there's nothing else. Uh, he and his family are not leaving. They still love South Creek. They're still going to be a part of here. Now, on the other end, too, there's a second transition. And so about three years ago, Dan Marley uh, became our student ministry director in a time of transition uh, that was just a little bit of a not, uh, not one of the better moments in the life of our church in terms of just some shifting and shaking things. And Dan amazingly stepped up to say, yes, I will lead the student ministry for a season. And so Dan has always been, if you know Dan, Dan might be literally the nicest person I've ever met in my entire life. Like, you know, we did the Mr. Rogers series, uh, and seriously, Dan, like, could be the next Mr. Rogers, but maybe even better. But Dan has always said, listen, I want to do this. I love working with the students, but I, I want to do this to the best of my ability. But when God opens the door for a new chapter in the life of our church, I want to be able to step aside for that. And so it's been kind of amazing because have you ever had a dream? Have you ever had a thought of, like, man, I, I look forward to the day when something like this could happen. When my wife and I knew that the transition about three years ago when I would become the interim pastor and eventually the senior pastor came, I can remember having frequent walks. My wife was very pregnant at that point with our first child. If you didn't know, our, our son Gideon came actually two weeks after our former pastor left. So a lot of, lot of life happened very quickly. 
But I remember the resounding gong was my wife continually said, hey, I'm really on board with this. I feel like God is calling us. But can you make a promise to me? Will you will you hire another full-time person like pretty quick to replace yourself? Because um, this is just a lot. And uh, funny as life happens that through a series of events, we just were not able to be in a place as a church to be able to do that. But God is amazing in his timing, right? In the same amount of timing that Justin came and said, hey, I think it's time. It was amazing how the money was right for the first time in a long time. And it was amazing how there was the right person that came along. And so uh, the sweet side of things that I'm really excited to announce to you is that coming at the end of this summer, we're bringing on another full-time pastor. And I'm so excited to introduce to you. They're not here today. They'll be here on another day. But you'll see her up on the screen. Her name is Jenna Vance. And Jenna is going to be coming to join our church uh, as the pastor of students in our worship ministry. And so I'm so incredibly excited about this. Jenna comes uh, from Ohio. Don't hold that against her. Um, I know. I'm getting over it, too. Uh, no, Jenna, though, comes highly recommended. Uh, Jenna is a recent grad in the last couple of years of Olivet Nazarene. Uh, she spent the last uh, year serving at her home church, uh, Salem Avenue Church of God, which is a sister church of ours, about 1,200 people, student ministry of, of probably over 100 students at this point, um, working closely uh, with one of my best friends and one of the best student pastors I know named Nathaniel Lyon. And uh, she comes highly recommended from so many people. She has a gift of worship. She uh, plays guitar, plays piano, sings beautifully. And so we're so excited that she uh, is going to be coming towards the end of this summer uh, to come on, and she will take on the leadership of those two uh, ministries. Uh, we're so excited for this because, uh, you know, we've proclaimed for a while now that we're a next-generational church. And uh, one of the things we've said, though, for a while that, that Dan has uh, said in particular, too, is just this fact that, He's only one person who works a full-time job and just doesn't have all of the time in the world to invest in the students the way that he would love to. And so we're really excited to be able to uh, be able to uh, put someone on uh, pouring into the lives of our teenagers. Uh, We know that teenage years are a tough time, uh, that it's an interesting world we live in today. And so I am so excited for her to come. Uh, There's another picture of her and her husband, Austin. Uh, So excited for them. They got married about a little less than a year ago. And so we are so excited about this uh, transition. And one of the cool things about this that's great is, like I said before, uh, Dan and Justin, neither them or their families uh, will be gone. They're still going to be here serving at our church. And uh, I I know they're going to be big uh, supporters, big cheerleaders of uh, Jenna as well. So we'll have a Sunday in the future where we're going to honor Justin and Dan. And uh, we'll eventually uh, let you know when we'll kind of have some of our first times that Jen and Austin will be here. Uh, We don't have a finalized date just yet of when they're going to come because uh, you can join us in prayer for the fact that Austin, her husband, who does computer engineering, uh, is in a job search right now. So uh, and if any of you have been in a job search, that's just kind of a stressful time. There's a lot about moving to a place you're not from, all of those different things. So please be praying for them. If you know of any computer engineering type jobs in the area. Uh, let me know, and I'll try to hook them up. But I'll also let you know of ways that we'll be able to um, support them, to welcome them as they come. But I am so excited for this. This is just going to be um, a huge win for our church. And one of the best things about this is it's a transition that isn't a see you later. It's just a new season of life, and so that's really cool. So 
Hope you guys will be as excited as I am. Uh, we'll be sharing more information as time comes along. Uh, if you are going to be interested in wanting to be involved in student ministry or if you have a worship gift that you're not currently using, one, you need to go to apologize to Justin, and two, uh, let us know so we can uh, plug you in. But let me just pray real quick before we are going to dive into the message just for uh, the good, thank God for his goodness and just pray for him during this transition. God, we just thank you for the fact that, God, nothing surprises you. God, we thank you for the fact that, God, you work things out in ways that we couldn't imagine. God, I would be lying if I didn't say I wasn't freaked out and a little stressed when Justin and I had lunch that day. But, God, I'm thankful for the fact that, God, you are faithful even when I am not. That, God, you bring peace even when we feel stressed. And so, God, I pray for these transitions. God, I pray that Justin and Dan would just know how grateful we are for them and their leadership. We're so grateful for the sacrifices they've made. We're so grateful for, uh, in particular, their example as leaders and even their example of saying when, when, when it's time to take a step back, God, there's something holy and obedient about doing that. God, we also thank you so much for Jenna and Austin. God, we thank you just for their hearts to, uh, to lead people into worship. God, we thank you for their hearts for investing in the lives of teenagers, of students. God, we pray that you would begin to just work out all the details for them as they make their way to Kokomo. God, we pray that you would give them a fruitful ministry. And God, we pray just so much in advance of the good that you're going to do here in Kokomo and beyond because of their coming here to Kokomo. God, we love you, and we just thank you so much for who you are. You are truly a God who provides, truly a God who calls, and a God who loves. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Man, some of you guys are like, dang it, I thought he said he was leaving. Have you ever had plans as we continue on? Plans that didn't work out how you wanted The summer of my freshman year of college, I had sold my car, my beautiful 1994 purple Ford Ranger. The speedometer went up to 85, barely. There's a few times where literally it started shaking. I was like, this is not good. Sold it before I went off to Anderson University. And I went into the summer in between my my, my my freshman and my sophomore year thinking, My plan is going to be, I'm going to go back home to Michigan, I'm going to get a job where I can make as much money as possible, and I'm going to buy a sweet ride. And so all my plans culminated to this idea that I was going to have this interview at the city parks and rec, and I was a shoe-in for the job. There's someone who I went to church with. My aunt worked there. I actually had the experience in doing some of the different things they needed, of driving the different equipment that they had. And I was so ready for the perfect plan that I had created. I was going to make so much money. I was going to see all my old friends. It was going to be awesome. I was going to get a tan, too. I might even lose a little bit of weight. And I'll never forget, I go into the interview, and I feel like, you ever leave an interview and just feel like, I nailed that? Like, I like no, like, there is no way they're going to say no. I'll never forget when I got the call that I didn't get the job. In fact, I was really mad. My best friend, who actually had an interview he said that didn't go well, and who didn't have all the same experience, was the one who got the job. And I've never been so glad in my entire life that I didn't get a job. You see, it was that summer that I so desperately wanted to make money that eventually I got a job working at a styrofoam factory. Doesn't that just sound like the greatest thing in the world? 
And that lasted for about a month. Because all this time, all this year, God had been calling me to invest in doing more ministry. And needless to say, after plan after plan failed, after there were tears, there was pain, there was frustration, God placed me at this place called Spring Hill Camps. And at Spring Hill is where God really spoke words of life into me, where he really affirmed and gave me the confidence to follow after a calling that he had. Now, the difficulty was in the midst of my frustration, in the midst of my pain of things not working out how I wanted to, God was still working. That even though it felt like he was distant, even though it felt like he had just left me in the dust, he was still faithful and he was still good. And I oftentimes wonder if my plans had went the way that I wanted, what would have happened? We've been in this series in the book of Genesis, and the series just simply has been called Genesis. And Genesis just comes from this word that means beginnings, and we've been exploring the book of Genesis at sort of what I would call a spark notes paste. Anyone ever use spark notes in, in school growing up? Uh, no, most of you guys were good students, unlike me. Spark notes essentially is this great thing that I bet a lot of you wish you would have heard. Uh, kids earmuffs, because you're not probably supposed to hear this, but essentially, uh, oftentimes spark notes would be a little sort of, uh, overview of a book where they'd give you, you know, the themes and the motifs and all that sort of stuff. And I'd like to say that I was a really great, honest student and always read all the books I was assigned and always did all those things. But I'll be honest, one of the greatest things about the internet when I was in high school, other than uh, obviously different games you could play, like Line Rider, uh, was the fact that I found this great thing called Spark Notes. And so we've been kind of doing a Spark Notes version of Genesis, where my big goal, my big hope in all of this has been to give us an overview of one of the most important books in the Old Testament. Because Genesis helps point us towards Jesus, but also Jesus helps us point back to Genesis and kind of tie some pieces together. If you've been with us during this series, you've probably realized that every single character, every single person in this story was in need of God coming through in an amazing way. Genesis helps point us forward to this idea, this reality that we need a Savior, that we need Jesus. And so we've been looking uh, at different characters, at different events, and trying to understand as followers of Jesus, what can we learn from this? Last week, my friend Chuck McCoskey, as I mentioned before, gave an awesome message looking at the story of a man named Jacob. And Jacob was an interesting guy, but one of the big themes that we learn from Jacob is this idea of learning to trust in God, to develop a dependency upon him. That in our lives, we oftentimes try to become dependent on Uh, all sorts of things, on substances, on habits, on people, and every single one of them will leave us broke and empty. And yet when we develop a dependency upon God, when we develop a trust in him, it's amazing how he works out all things for his good, how he takes care of us in ways that we never could imagine, that we could never work out ourselves. Now, Jacob who Chuck talked about last week, eventually was renamed by God to Israel. Now, if you ever read the Old Testament, or obviously today we have the Israelis, Israel is the name of the patriarch of the family. And so sometimes you'll hear the fact that there were the 12 tribes of Israel. The 12 tribes of Israel were the sons, the 12 sons that Jacob or Israel had. And his 11th son 
was a man named Joseph. And today, as we're closing out the series, I want to tell you the brief Spark Notes version story of Joseph. And then I want to talk about what we as followers of Jesus can learn from Joseph. Now, Joseph was born to uh, Jacob's favorite wife, which, again, saying a phrase like that already brings lots of weird things, right? That's uh, a different story uh, for a different day. Uh, but Jacob's wife named Rachel, who was his favorite one, eventually was able to conceive. She had some infertility type of issue things, and eventually she was able to have a child, and his name was Joseph. And Joseph became the favorite child. Now, some of you, like me, can relate to that. You're the favorite child, right? I mean, we get it. It's, it's a great thing. But being the favorite child actually did give some really uh, interesting, like, let me just say, like, a lot of the families in Genesis, especially this family that God chose to kind of save the rest of the world, like, man, they need a counselor really, really bad. <laughs> can I just say that? And so Jacob, because he loved his son Joseph so much, actually created this rainbow or technical rainbow-like uh, uh, robe that he gave him, which you got to feel awkward if you're Joseph, right? Like, if you're the favorite, like, that's got to feel a little uncomfortable to a point where you're like, listen, Dad, like, can you, like, hold off just a little bit? But anyways, J- or Joseph also had an amazing gift from God uh, to interpret and have dreams, and so one day, Jacob actually ha- or Joseph has this dream, and he tells his older brothers, which if you're an older brother, you're probably really mean, uh, or older sibling, no offense, you probably were. Um, but can you imagine if your younger sibling one day came to you and said, I had this dream, you all began to bow down and serve me, and I ruled over you. That'd go over pretty well, right? I know my brothers would, would be totally down for that. They would love to just follow me. So Joseph has this dream. He tells them this dream. And I'm sure they're just thinking like, oh, my gosh, this whole favoritism has gotten to his head. And so one day they are frustrated by their brother Joseph and they hatch a plan. They think, I got this great idea, mob mentality. Let's kill him. I like to think that they stop and are like, wait, 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 wait. We heard that story about how Cain killed Abel. That didn't work out well. I got a better idea. Let's hide him and then sell him into slavery. Great idea. That's the nicer approach, grace, right? And so Joseph's brothers, his older brothers, sell him into slavery. And what ends up happening is Joseph is sold into this house of this man named Potiphar. Potiphar is a high-ranking official in Egypt. And slowly, God gives favor to Joseph, and he works his way up to be kind of the head over all of this household area for Potiphar. But Potiphar's wife sees all that Joseph has going. Again, I can relate, like, you know, just looking good. And all of a sudden, Potiphar's wife is trying to get Joseph to, I can't say these words in church right now, I don't want to make people blush. But either way, she's trying to seduce him. And so when Joseph spurns her advances, eventually Potiphar gets mad and he puts him in prison. Now, in prison, I've got to imagine after all of these different things, Joseph has to feel like, why me, God? Why are all of these things happening to me? But again, Joseph finds favor even in prison. Scripture reminds us that actually it just says that God was with Joseph even in prison. And Joseph eventually finds favor with the warden over all of the prison. 
And slowly he becomes kind of over all that's happening in the prison, which seems like a really weird thing. I don't know that I would put a prisoner in charge of the prison. That's just me. It feels very like Lord of the Flies-esque. But anyways, Joseph gets put in charge. And slowly he gets all of these opportunities to interpret more dreams. And eventually he has this special relationship with the Pharaoh who is like the, the, the king over all of Egypt. And eventually... Joseph works his way into being the number two in charge person in all of Egypt. To quote a great prophet, started from the bottom, now he was here. Joseph has this amazing rise from being sold in slavery, from being falsely accused in prison, to, to, to eventually being in the highest ranking place you could be other than being the Pharaoh himself. Now, What ends up happening, to continue on in the story, is there becomes this huge famine in the land. And everybody is looking for food, including Joseph's brothers and his father. And so, through a series of events, Joseph gets the opportunity to interact with his brothers. Now, I don't know y'all, but if my brothers did that to me, like, vengeance, baby. Vengeance. You know, like if my brothers hit me, I was going to hit them back harder. And yet Joseph, through a series of events, shows incredible mercy and grace and love. And we realize that through all of this story, that in the midst of all this pain, in the midst of all these things happening to Joseph, God was working out all of these things for his good. And we see that because of Joseph being in the position that he was, he was able to actually take care of his family who might otherwise have starved to death and died. We see the goodness of God always being many, many steps ahead. Now let's talk a little bit about this story. Let's talk a little about this story. And I want to talk in particular this morning about pain. I want to talk about problems. Let me just throw this out here. And if you slip off into sleep, I hope you at least hear this this morning. Um, Problems and pain do not mean God isn't with you and for you. I hear so many people sometimes when there is issues in their life, when there's pain happening, they start to either question who God is or they just think God isn't with me or he's not for me anymore. Now, I will say sometimes God isn't for us when we're doing stupid stuff. Let's just be real (laughs) for a second. But I think there's a lot of bad theology. Theology just means um, thinking about God or, or ideas about God. And there's a lot of bad theology out there about pain, about problems, and about God. It makes me cringe. So if you say these phrases, don't tell me later, just stop saying them. But when people will say things to people like when someone dies, God just needed them from you. It's okay. Ouch. Can you imagine if you had a young child who died and someone's just like, hey, it's okay. God just needed some more angels to take care of him. Like, really? Or maybe sometimes people just will say like, hey, you know, like God makes all of these things happen to get our attention. Really? Like, did I need a terminal illness for a loved one for God to get my attention? And I'm not saying that God doesn't use those, but here's, here's a thought process. I wonder that if God is wiser, more loving, more caring than us, 
And that maybe he could get our attention in a variety of ways. But that a God who is good, who that when he creates, as we learn in the first chapter of Genesis, it's always good. That maybe it's not so much that every single thing that happens in our life is something that God orchestrated. It's not maybe something that God said, I got this idea today. I really want to get someone's attention, so I'm going to have a huge tragedy happen in their life. So that way they'll love me more. That sounds like a weird, like, Jekyll and Hyde relationship. Like, like I hit you so that way you know that you need me and love me. No, I think God uses all things to get our attention. That he does use the fact that we live in a broken, fallen world. And that because we live in a broken, fallen world, there is sickness, there is death, there is tragedy. And I believe with my whole heart that God uses those things. But I also think that God is too good and too loving to have to do all of those things to get our attention. I don't think God sits back and says, like, I got this great idea. Let me just throw this huge curveball at them. Let me maybe kill someone that they love, and then maybe they'll have to love me then. I don't think that's the way that God works. I think what God does is I think God works through all these things. In the, in the life of Jacob, even though, or in Joseph, I've, I've got to imagine there has to be a, a thought of, God, why did this happen? And we see how all of these orchestrated. But I think my God is too big and too powerful that, that I think he could have made another way if needed. That if his brothers never sell, sell him into slavery, I think God is good. I think God is powerful enough. I think God is smart enough that he could have worked out something else to happen. But I think that as it says in Romans chapter 8, that we know that God works all things for his good for those who loved him, who have been called according to his purposes. I believe that. I believe that God uses everything in our life, the good and the bad. Because let's be honest, many of us have had great moments in our lives, maybe the birth of a child, Maybe just seeing uh, something beautiful in nature where God has gotten our attention in a powerful way. God doesn't have to use tragedy. We don't have to have tragedy or death or destruction every time. But does God use them? Absolutely. Absolutely he uses them. And every single time he can use all of these things to work for his good. Now, here's another thing we learn, I think, from the story of Joseph. God knows best, and he is always making a way. And some of us need to hear that this morning, because some of us right now are in more of a season of our life where we feel like we just got falsely accused and we're in prison, or we just got sold and we're just waiting on what's going to happen next. And some of us need to know this morning that in every single thing, whether it's something that we did in, on ourselves or whether it's something that happened to us, that God has a plan. That God has a purpose, that there is a way out. And we know in the larger grand scheme of the story that God has made a way in the form of giving us the way, the truth, and the life through Jesus. That, that no matter what our circumstances, our scenarios are going on, that we can have new life because of Jesus, because he has made a way for us through Jesus, through his death and through his resurrection. But even on a, a micro level, some of us this morning need to hear that there is hope. That God hasn't abandoned us. That we're not left in prison to die. That he still has a plan. He still has a purpose for us. And some of us need to know that this morning. In Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6, it just says this. Trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him 
and he will make your path straight. Some of us are sitting in a season where we're not submitting him. We're not acknowledging him. And we're wondering why in the world is God making, not making a way. Some of us need to be patient and some of us need to be obedient. That one's a hard one to hear, right? Because there's often times where I want God to obey my will in my way, my plans. And the truth is, I guarantee that God has far better plans for you than you could ever come up with yourself. That God will take care of you in far more extravagant ways than you could take care of yourself. I promise that. Another thing I think we learn from the story of Joseph is just this. Stay the course even when it's hard. Because of temptation, because of discouragement, and because curveballs will come. Anyone ever experienced temptation before? Anyone ever been discouraged? No, probably not, most of us. Anyone ever had a curveball come in your life? Jesus actually promises us these will happen. In the Gospel of John, chapter 16, he just says this, I've told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. Not you might have trouble. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. I don't know why so many of us sometimes when curveballs, when temptation comes, when discouragement comes, we sit back and be like, man, God's not present. Like, gosh, Or maybe we even sit back and be like, man, I bet God doesn't even have a plan for this. He wasn't expecting this either. And yet we aren't just promised that God is with us or that God is good, but we're promised the fact that there will be trials. There will be discouragement. There will be temptation. And the reality is we can't control every aspect of those things. We live in a broken, fallen world. In a lot of ways, discouragement, temptation, curveballs, some of it we can control, but some of it's like the weather in Indiana. Wait a few minutes and it will probably change. But the reality is we can control how we react, how we respond. One of the amazing things about Joseph that's so amazing is he's one of the most faithful people we find in the Old Testament. That even when there's these curveballs, even when there's this discouragement, even when temptation comes, he holds strong. I think there was something about him that he had a deep gift of faith to just trust in God's plans and purposes. Which is amazing to me. Because oftentimes, the more that gets thrown at me that's hard, the more likely I'm wanting to shriek back and not trust God. And yet Joseph, it seems like, continues on trusting him even more. In James chapter 1, verse 12, the brother of Jesus, James, says this, Blessed are those who persevere under trials, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. My friends, there is something blessed about when we persevere under trials. And that's hard because we live in a culture that is all about avoid hard things. I am like the exactly all about that. If I could avoid stress and pain, like I would do it as quick as I could. I would love that. Yet most of us would probably say that it wasn't the times in our life when everything went well that grew us as a person. We didn't develop character oftentimes when everything was just perfectly laid out for us and everything went well. We typically 
grew in our character. We typically grew in our faith when it just felt like all hope was lost and it was going to take a move of God for this thing to be remedied, to be redeemed, to be restored. And it's in those moments that if we're faithful, if we're patient, and if we continue following after him, we'll grow. We'll see God's purposes, his plans coming to fruition in a mighty way. I mentioned that there's this moment where Joseph gets to have, and you got to read this story, okay? you got to go read in Genesis Joseph's whole story because it's really, really great. you got to read the whole thing. But there's this kind of great gotcha moment. Genesis has a couple of those gotcha moments. It's like, you know, like on like a, like a revealing show on like, a, uh, like Jerry Springer. Where it's like, and the test results are in type crazy type thing. And there's this moment where Joseph finally gets to have his moment where he reveals who he really is to his brothers. They just think he's some official. And he finally gets this moment. And they are just freaked out because they think, of course, that their brother is going to just kill them. Their brother is finally going to get his vengeance. And this is what it says in the message uh, version of Genesis chapter 50. Joseph said, do not be afraid. Let me just pause there for a second. I I like to throw this out every time. Did you know that the most repeated phrase in all of Scripture is don't be afraid? Just maybe a hint for our life. Don't be afraid. Do I act for God? Don't you see you planned evil against me, but God used those same plans for my good. As you see all around you right now, life for many. It's amazing how God in his goodness can take the plans of evil, of destruction, and he can translate all of that and redeem it and restore it for the good of many. My friends, the cool thing about this is that God will always leverage our influence to make impossible things happen. It's amazing, too, that when you look at these stories, there's a lot of parallels that I don't have enough time to tell you about, but there's a lot of parallels between the life of Jesus and the life of Joseph. Both are sold for a little bit of silver. Both have a special relationship with their father. And both have plans to be destroyed by others. Evil plots. And yet God used both of their stories to redeem and restore many. My friends, this morning, what I want you to leave with this morning is that God can use and redeem anything and anyone. When you feel like you are broken, damaged goods, when you feel like life has just thrown so many curveballs at you, when you feel like you are in the midst of just sitting in a hopeless prison, you are just in the midst of being sold away, and there's no hope of being restored back to your father, would you know this morning that God can and will redeem anybody and anything? But the question becomes, will we be faithful? Will we continue even in the midst of the trials, of the temptations, the curveballs, the discouragement, the disappointment? Will we remain faithful? The good news either way is he will. The good news is that either way, God still is going to be working out all things for his good. But here's what I do think is really, really amazing news for us. When we jump in on his plan things go a lot better. When we jump on on his plan, not only does he take care of us in amazing ways, 
But do you realize that you have been called to be redeemed and restored to your heavenly father? Not just for your own sake, but for the sake of many. That right now in your life, in your sphere of influence, there are people who are also feeling broken, hurting, and hopeless. And I promise you that you, son and daughter who feels like you are unworthy, son and daughter who feels like God could not use you for a variety of reasons, God wants to leverage your influence in their life to help them out of that prison, to redeem them back from what the enemy has tried to enslave them in and bring them back home to their father. This morning, I hope and pray that no matter where your story is right now in a relationship with our Heavenly Father, I hope this morning you know that your Father has never stopped thinking about you, that your Father has never stopped pursuing you, and that He has so much plans to use you for so many good things. But the most important thing is that He wants you in His presence. That even when you've experienced the pain, the problems, the disappointment, that He's never left you. He's always been there with you. He's always been working all these things out. But some of us this morning just need to hear that from our Father. Would you guys stand with me? And I'm going to pray and we're going to sing one last song. And during this time, my hope and my prayer is that your hearts, your minds, and your ears would be open to hear what God may want to say to you this morning. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the fact that you are a God that nothing surprises you. That nothing and nobody is beyond your power to redeem and restore. That, God, you use all things in our lives. The good, the bad, the ugly, the weird, the crazy, the stressful, the joyful. To bring us back into your presence. To align with your plan. So, God, I pray this morning that, God, maybe for some of us, God, who just feel like we have been taken by the enemy. We are being sold. God, I pray this morning that you would reach out and that we would reach back out to you. And God, that we would be brought out of enslavement, back into your home, sitting at your table. God, I pray that for some of us who feel like we have been locked in a prison, God, I pray that the chains would fall off. God, the the, the chains of sin and shame. And God, I pray that we would know this morning without a shadow of a doubt that you have never left us that you are always with us, you are always for us. But you have amazing things you want to use us for. God, this morning we thank you for just your goodness and your mercy. And God, we thank you for the fact that God, you work out everything for your good, for your kingdom. God, we love you and we thank you. In your son Jesus' name I pray. Amen.